podcast all about training working dogs look no further than the lwdg pod dog this weekly show is hosted by me joanne perrott founder of the ladies working dog group and i chat to experienced trainers and experts in the field who will give you helpful tips and advice whether you're just getting started or you've been working dogs for years this podcast will have something for you so pull up a chair pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to lwdg pod dog and let us help you build a better bond with your best friend. Hello and welcome to another episode of LWDG Pod Dog. This week is all about don't worry, my dog is friendly and the importance of being able to control your dog in a public place. Joining me for this week's podcast is the amazing LWDG Group expert, Samantha Thornton-Taylor and the amazing LWDG Group expert, Gemma Martin. How are you both today? Yeah, good, thanks, Joe. You? Well, I'm absolutely fine, um, but I am really excited to know the word for this topic. It's more, um, shall we say, intrigued in not why we've got to have this conversation, but the importance of being able to have an obedient dog in public place. So let's start with uh, why, you know, this whole concept of, don't worry, my dog is friendly. Personally, I think it's everyone's sort of biggest bugbear when they're out with their dog and some other dog comes racing into their space, um, you know, and it, it's a lack of respect just as much as it's, it's a lack of training on the other dog's part. You might be doing something that needs a lot of focus. Um, you know, your dog might be recovering from injury. It might be reactive. There's a whole number of reasons why you don't want to be interrupted at that point um and it's really important that you, you know if you've got control of your dog you want to know that everyone's got control of their dog as well um you know otherwise lots of negative situations could arise from it yeah exactly that and unfortunately whatever reason we're seeing more and more of it and it's becoming um a really talked about topic on the group people are asking what they should do about it um so yeah and, and like sam says you don't know what's going on with the dogs that your dog's approaching they might be injured they might be old they might be a puppy in which case your really over exuberant dog bouncing over to them could potentially scare them and cause them bigger issues going forward they might develop a fear of other dogs so it, it is quite a serious topic that we need to talk about and when we say it's not talked about no groups it's not like just a random post here and there this is like a topic that is talked about oh, weekly if something brought up in our life coaching we are seeing more and more and more of our ladies having to cope with dogs are just completely out of owner's control isn't it yeah and i i don't know what what's changed so much in society whether it's people sort of a more um i can't think of the word more sort of open to sort of wanting their dogs to play with other dogs it used to be that you take your dog for a walk and and you would interact with your dog on that walk and it's now people almost seek out other dogs for their dogs to go and play with a bit like if you were taking your child to the play park or whatever um so it's almost like the mentality has shifted shifted a little bit in how we are with our dogs when we're out sam have you got anything to add to that I think some of it, um, and this is my personal opinion, I think some of it still comes about on the back of COVID. Um, and I know we keep harping back to it a lot, but we, 
we've seen a whole host of behavioural issues that have come about post-COVID when we were having to socially distance, when we couldn't appropriately socialise and habituate our dogs when they were puppies. Um, and I think a lot of people are sort of thinking, well, you know, well, my, my dog missed out on that when it was a youngster. So they're almost trying to play catch up. Um, and some people, to a certain extent, think, you know, if, if their dog is, is nervous around other dogs, then they've just got to keep exposing it to as many dogs as they can. And in parts, they're right. They do need the exposure to other dogs, but it has to be controlled exposure rather than just a free-for-all because actually they'll end up making the problem a lot worse. Um, but I think when Jem said about, you know, the shift in the mentality, I think, uh, I think a great deal of it is that, well, we had to stay apart for so long. So actually now, you know, it's good to watch them play. It's good to watch them run around, but people don't often think about the, the actual repercussions that could come from it. Uh, an absolute mindset shift, I think, in the general public. You know, you've got uh, places you can drop them off all day, like like crash for dogs, where they can play all day, and they're very much advertised as play all day. And then you see the dogs out in the park, and you know everybody wants them all to be bounding around, loving each other, you know, and having the most whale of a time. But you know, children can argue; they tend to not argue as much, but they when they're in a social environment or when they're playing on swings and that, but they will argue. But dogs don't always socialise in huge groups that beautifully all the time, do they? And I think uh, how we look at dog socialisation when we get puppies has, has become a little bit warped or, or something's changed in it as well. And people have got this idea, like Sam said, that they need to introduce their dog to as many different dogs as they can so that they're all right with them. Um, and often that has the opposite effect. We in, in, encourage this behaviour from our dogs so that every dog they see, they instantly want to go up to and go, hi, can I be your friend? Um, and you end up with these really over sort of socialised dogs that just want to approach everything they see. Um, and you mentioned creches and daycares and things and that we are obviously we've got more and more of those happening. So dogs are going to daycare and creche because we're working, etc. Um, and some of those are really, really good and they handle them really well. So they have separate rooms for like older dogs and younger dogs and, and things like that. Um, but I think occasionally there are times when uh, not appropriate groups of dogs are put together. So you've got really excitable dogs with maybe more anxious dogs. So you see if you watch the body language of dogs in those situations, you've sometimes got dogs hiding in the corner. You've got dogs that are able to bully other dogs all day not in an aggressive way, just in a sort of over exuberant way. And they're being able to practice these behaviors. Um, Sam, have you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I think you've, you've sort of said partly what I was going to say as well. So to elaborate on the body language, you know, if you, I think a lot of people will misread their dog's body language when they're in a, a situation with sort of a dog with another dog or several other dogs. Um, and we spoke about it in depth on our latest body language masterclass we were saying about things like the tail um and i was sort of walking around yesterday and i was thinking actually a lot of people see their dog with a tail wagging and they believe that that means the dog is happy but a dog can have what i can only describe as like an appeasement wag so it's sort of that you know i'm not wholly happy with this situation and it would be i think quite similar you know if you were on the underground going to work and you saw a complete stranger staring at you you might look over to them and sort of give them a, a, a quiet, nervous smile. It's sort of an appeasement. It's that I've noticed you, 
please go away now. Please stop looking at me. I'm not comfortable with this. And dogs have their own way of saying the same thing. You know, they've the sort of low hanging tail, slow wag, kind of that, yep, I know you're there. I'm not a threat to you. Please now just give me some space. Whereas a lot of people would, like I say, they'd see that wagon tail and they'd just go, oh, my dog's happy. This is brilliant. Keep going. And not realise that that situation could escalate out of control. So we've also got to look at when these dogs are out, if we take a moment to look at the local laws and regulations about these dogs' behaviour, because everybody thinks you can take your dog to the park, take it off the lead, and they can bound around going up to anyone they want, any other dog, and it's totally fine as long as it um, doesn't attack them. But that isn't completely true, is it? Uh, that isn't completely true, is it, Jen? So I think before we even look at law, you've just got to look at sort of general politeness as well. There's many people that are out and about in parks enjoying open spaces and things that don't really like dogs and are actually quite terrified of dogs. And they have the right to not be approached by your dog. When we look at the law, we've got the Dangerous Dogs Act and things that actually, for a dog to be dangerously out of control, they don't need to hurt anyone, they don't need to cause any physical injury or anything like that. They just need to put someone in fear that that dog is going to hurt them in some way. Um, and if you're looking at little children that are out with their families, a big Labrador bouncing around in a really happy fashion could cause an injury without meaning to. It could knock a child over, it could knock an elderly person over or, or whatever. So it's not just us saying that you need your dogs to behave. It's actually law for your dogs to be under control in a public place. We have seen loads of parks now where it says, you know, keep your dog on a lead. Um, and a lot of the uh, freedoms that we once had in public spaces have been taken away in a large part for these many reasons is the fact that dogs out of control pose a credible threat to other people through, through fright alone. And, um, you know, I'm not quite uh, easily you know, frightened by a dog, but sometimes these dogs, they're coming up to you at such speed, you step in front of your dog to protect your dog, and you're thinking, am I now taking you on? Um, and it's not a fight that's always going to be with you coming out on top, is it? It's not all the time, no. So, you know, it's, it's like you've just said, if you, in trying to protect your dog, the same as you would try to protect your child, you've then sort of taken on the role of, okay, this is evidently my argument. It's not an argument that I wanted to be involved in, but now I've had to put myself in the path of potential danger. Um, you know, and anything could happen. You could get knocked over, you could get attacked, you're you could fall over your own dog in trying to get away from a, a dog that is being overly friendly or overly vicious towards you. So, um, you know, we do get, like you've said, there's, there's a lot of what were freedoms that a lot of people think are sort of, you know, our, our own, our, our God-given right. You can go into a park and you can let your dog off the lead. A lot of them have been taken away. But unfortunately, I think it's happened because there were, a, you know, a number of incidences where they did have an unwanted outcome. So the authorities have had to make a decision. Well, in order to reduce this risk, we're going to have to put certain rules and regulations in place. Do you find as well, though, like to come back to the, the title of this, don't worry, my dog is friendly. If you're needing to shout those words after your dog towards the person they are approaching, you can honestly say to yourself, or you should be honestly saying to yourself, my dog is not in my control. 
Yeah, I mean, all I hear when someone bellows, don't worry, my dog's friendly at me, is I haven't got a recall for my dog. Because if they had a recall, they wouldn't need to shout that. They'd just recall their dog and go, it's not a problem, we'll go this way. So. It's the phrase I loathe the most. And like Gemma, you know, if you hit, okay, my dog's friendly, you know, there's a couple of times that actually I've had to reply, well, mine isn't. Um, you know, over the years, I've taken on a few dogs that, have had issues that have needed to be worked through and having dogs bound up to them either in a friendly or a non-friendly manner is not beneficial for their future training and their rehabilitation um you know and i always remember the the latest dog that we took on i had someone walking up the road towards us and they had a little yappy dog that was going absolutely nuts on the end of its lead and my dog reacted vocally on the end of his lead and the person said to me, well, why is, why is your dog so aggressive? I was sort of sat there in that moment thinking, I said to her, well, I've only, just, I've only had him a few days. You know, he's, he's a rescue dog, he's going through training. But what I wanted to say was my dog is not actually doing anything different to what your dog is doing. But your dog is about a twelfth of the size of mine. So why is mine now the one that's getting it in the neck for, for acting in this manner? Um, you know, if, I, if someone shouts, it's okay, my dog's friendly. I will normally reply whether mine is or isn't. I'll normally reply, well, mine isn't. Please recall your dog because it's just, I don't want to get involved. I don't want that dog with its unknown training bustling into my space and potentially causing an issue. And then added to which, sometimes when the dogs actually get over and the owner comes over and you actually have a discussion with the owner saying, actually, it's probably not ideal. I've also had owners say, well, don't worry, he needs to learn as if it's all right for my dog to tell him off. But then you have to explain that it's not my dog's position or role to tell your dog off. We as owners should be in that position to go, actually, that's not an appropriate behaviour. You come with me and we'll teach you how to react around other dogs. It's not other people's dog's place to teach your dog. There is that, you know, there is that, don't worry, my dog's friendly, followed by this interaction where you already feel annoyed. You can't help but feel annoyed because the, the minute you heard or the second you heard, don't worry, my dog is friendly, you already knew that this was going to be a situation where you had an unruly dog that you had to protect your dog from and then um, an owner coming up, if you're lucky, sometimes they just keep walking. It's like, your dog is here with my dog. And I don't even, well, I can't even fathom that one because even from a, a safety implication for your dog, I could clip a lead on and be gone in seconds with your dog because you're not looking where your dog even is or what it's doing but regardless of that is that thing then when they're trying to excuse the dog's behavior rather than saying i'm very sorry i'm i've still not mastered recall in which case probably most of us would be like okay totally understandable can you pop it on a lead and you know and we we've all been there where the dog at one point has not behaved the way we thought it had when you you almost you can almost see it and then they've almost got it down to like a normal banter they know the process because they've said it so many times and you think for the love of i need a swore then <laughs> um but for the love of something will you please just understand if it's not coming back to you keep it on a goddamn lead and i think that's an important point to make we're not bashing people that are trying to train their dogs or anything like that we know that dogs aren't robots and sometimes they don't listen to a command and sometimes you might be in a position to go don't panic i'm coming to get him it's fine i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry um 
but yeah if you are experiencing that sort of more often than you know the odd time where your recall has failed you really need to be doing something about it and whether that's keeping them on a long line to sort of sort your training out or, or whatever or seeking help from a trainer then something needs to be done to help you yeah it's certainly a bit odd because you know we've uh, from a, a country where we apologize for everything um, you know, I, I opened the door and I was in your way. It, it was my turn, not your turn, but I'm still going to apologize for being in your way. Why can't we acknowledge that if our dog has ran off into someone else's space, why can't we just hold our hands up and go, oh, whoops, sorry, my bad. I'm, I'll be there as soon as I can, you know. And, and like Jem said, dogs aren't robots. So it might be that you're working through something. You might be already training your recall. Um, it might be that just there was a, a number of events that day and that was the dog's final straw. But please hold your hands up and go, instead of shouting, it's okay, he's friendly, go, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry, you know, give me two seconds and I'll be out your hair. And then the, things, the, the two things that you both um, touched on. Jen, when she said, if it's happening more than not, not. And Sam, when she says, just put your hands up and say sorry. Those two things are your indicators, aren't they? So if, you, if it's happening more times than it's not happening, you've been on lead, you definitely haven't got recall sorted. Um, and just have the um, courtesy to say sorry, you know. Like, and like you said, Sam, we say sorry for a million things. Women especially. God, even when it's not our fault, a million times we say sorry. But it, it seems to be um, a mentality that... I've got to defend my dog's behaviour, running up to you and doing whatever the hell he wants um, by saying it's somehow not my dog's fault or my fault or anybody else's fault. This is a blameless society for this dog's dickheadedness. I think the thing is, the way it comes across when people say it's okay, my dog's friendly, it comes across as they're almost trying to blame the other party. You know, the, the, the dog owner, the, the dog that's in the wrong, is sort of blaming you for being there and that's not how it should be it's it, you know it's i i went to go and train my dog in the local park it's not my fault if you can't recall your dog and you shouldn't be sort of portraying that it is my fault for being in that place at that time um so like i said earlier it, it's probably the one phrase that really riles me when we talk about this and like how the dog should be behaving what are the sort of public space commands that you need to pretty much nail before you let a dog out in those areas? So take your dog to public space as many times as you want, but don't take it off the lead until it will what? Recall. <laughs> I, think, I think leave and recall are your two main ones when you're out in public. If you can't get your dog to leave something like a person or a dog um, and recall reliably, then they shouldn't be off the lead. For safety more than anything as well. Exactly that. Um, recall, leave, um, and good lead manners as well. Um, you know, because having a dog that is just like a kite on the end of a lead is also no good for, for you, your dog, and any other person that you come across. You don't want to be. It's, it, you can have your dog on a lead and still it be out of control. If you're walking down a path and someone walks past with a toddler and your dog lunges at that toddler, it could still cause harm and damage. Um, so those they would be my three things yeah because i agree i agree with you on that one like if people are coming past me i tend to all i've got to pretty much always and i don't it, i've just always done it i always tell my people sit even if they're not doing anything wrong i i step into the side and i say sit 
because I want them to be stationary when the thing is passing. A, because in public spaces, both of you moving at the same time sometimes is not a good thing. It can be a good thing, but it's not a good thing if you don't know how that other dog is going to behave. So I get mine off the, off the path into side six. And I know then that anyone coming past isn't going to be affected by my dogs because they're stationary in one place. So your recall, your sick, they like, and your leave, they, they're those three things that you need to be nailing, whether your dog's a pet, whether it's a working gen dog, they need to be nailed, don't they? They do, you know, and even if you've, obviously you've got to be able to go out to practice those things. So in the, you can't expect it just because it's perfect in your garden it's immediately going to be perfect when you've thrown all these distractions in. So you do, there's going to be a, a period of time where maybe your recall wasn't as good as it has been at home, or maybe your dog does try to lunge a little bit on a leaf because a, a leaf or a squirrel or something has run past. But that's completely different when it's that introduction and when you're proofing your training and when you're working through your training, it's completely the opposite end of the spectrum to having a dog that is just reliably like that all the time and do you think as well as about having the like when we're talking about proofing thinking about when you're taking the dog to the park like you know weekends are full of little people running around enjoying themselves on bikes um after school times you know especially if it's a good day it's a warm day there's loads and loads of kids everywhere thinking about well when can i take my dog there where we may meet one or two people but we're not going to meet a thousand people so that you've got a chance to to build it, to proof it, without it being, you know, from zero to a thousand all in one go. Yeah, exactly. Whenever we're training any sort of behaviour in the dogs, we want to try and sort of set them up to succeed in whatever we're doing. There's no point, like you say, taking them to a park that's full of children on scooters and dogs running riot with balls and whatever and expecting your dog to listen because it does in the garden. So build it slowly, like you said. Um, and try and set them up for success every time. To go back to where we were talking a little bit about uh, regulations, you've got the Dangerous Dog Act, but we, the councils can also in each area set regulations, isn't it? So depending on what council authority you're in, it will say different things about where your dog is and isn't allowed. So being able to control your dog, regardless of the space, that's important too. It is, and like you say, sort of, you know, councils have different different rules. Some councils will say you're only allowed four dogs on one place. Some dogs, uh, some councils will say, you know, that this is a, a dog-free area. Um, so you need to understand the rules, and you need to understand what level of control you need from your dog at, at that place at that time as well. So um, beaches, for example, you know, they have periods of the year where dogs aren't allowed at all. Yet in the winter months, it, it can be free for all for a dog. Um, but like you've said you know that you know weekends on a good day a beach is going to be a really really busy place so that's probably not the best time to introduce your 16 week old puppy to a beach and, and also even from a environmental time it's it's hot it's sweaty there's not much going on there's, there's access to loads of water that the dog doesn't realize isn't drinkable it's it's about just little and often to, to give them the skills to not be overstimulated in these areas yeah. The other thing, I, we won't go into it for this, but I'm going to pop it in on the end of, the, of this uh, important podcast as well, is people, I'm going to use this as a bugbear moment now, right? This is like room 101. People who put food in bags and hang them from trees. So do it. 
please, if you're going to hang each foot free, just don't pick it up in the first place. There's more chance of nature removing it for us than it will hanging from a tree. Does this drive you to mad as well? Yeah, yeah, I see it a lot around um, some of the footpaths that are around us and it's like little decorations on the tree, isn't it? And I, I am one, I have to put my hands up, but leaving one on a gatepost that I pick up on my way back from the walk. But that's purely because there's no bins on that route. Um, but yeah, don't hang it in a tree, guys. <laughs> like you've just said, you know, I, I will, uh, if I picked up, I'll, you know, I might pop it down to the side to pick it up on the way back if I know I'm coming back that way and there's no bins on the rest of that walk. But the key thing is, do pick it up on your way back. You know, lots of people, I think, you know, they hang it from a tree or they put it on a fence post, they'll pick it up on the way back and then forget. So if you're a forgetful person, don't put it down. Just carry it with you. We definitely in these areas need to ask for more bins or we need somebody to come up with some type of carrying device where you are quite happy to put warm, smelly bags of poo in. Uh, if anybody has one that they are aware of, please let us know because I'm sure we will all want one. There are so, special bags, Joe, that are smell-proof that you can zip up. Apparently, okay. I can't think what they're called. We can always think of the benefits in the winter. They keep our hands warm. <laughs> 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 um, right, uh, so um, thank you all for a fantastic podcast. Hopefully, uh, this has been enjoyable for you. If you are one of those people whose dogs is out of control. As we said, just please just say sorry. Go join the Hot Mess Handler. Work with us. We'll make sure that you get your recall back and you get your sit back. Um, but if you're one of those people who has to endure this like uh, others, then I hope you've enjoyed our little bit of a, a giggle and rant about this uh, topic. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to our experts, as always, for being fantastic. Um, we love speaking to you all and we look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you for listening to LWDG Poddog with me, Joe Perrett. Now we all know training a dog takes time, energy and patience, but our lives can be really, really busy. Don't worry, the LWDG has got you covered. Join us for our free planning workshop where we will show you how to use short 10 minute training sessions each day to fast forward your dog's education. Our experts have years of experience in training dogs and will help you get started on the right foot. Register now and start making progress with your furry friend today. Go to our Facebook page, The Ladies Working Dog Group, and click on the pinned post. Or visit www.thelwdg.com.